So up until now, we've been talking a lot about enzymes, and I want to remind you that enzymes are really just one single type of protein. Um, so um, proteins, often referred to as the building block of living organisms, have a variety of other um, uh, functions that do not involve enzymes. And actually, this leads us to the two classes of proteins, enzymatic and non-enzymatic proteins. And in this module, I'm going to be discussing those non-enzymatic proteins. Remind, I'll remind you that uh, biochemical proteins, uh, there's a central common theme or idea of proteins, um, is that they bind various biomolecules specifically and tightly, regardless of their class as enzyme or non-enzyme. Um, <clears throat> non-enzymes um, have functions that require binding, but not catalysis. And this is why I mentioned that little blurb at the beginning, that all proteins bind specifically and tightly, regardless of that class. Um, so enzymes, you know, non-enzymes, I'm sorry, do this binding, but do not catalyze. That's kind of the fundamental distinction between the classes. Uh, in this speci specifically in this module, I'm going to be discussing receptors and ion channel proteins, transport proteins, motor proteins, and a special class of proteins known as antibodies. And I actually have uh, a mnemonic um, for remembering this one too, or an acronym, it's not a mnemonic. Um, uh, and it's MARTI, M-A-R-T-I, MARTI, Motor, Antibodies, Receptors, uh, Transport, and Ion Channel Proteins. Um, and remember, the, the last time I made an acronym was for Lithol, L-I-T-H-O-L, uh, which was for the six different types of enzymes. That's really interesting because in this, in this module, we're talking about the opposite of those, right? We're talking about the non-enzymes. So use these acronyms whenever you're talking about, you know, enzymes, use Lithol. Marty, if you're using non-enzymes. <clears throat> One thing I'll note before I actually get started is that proteins can have characteristics of both enzymes and non-enzymes. Um, essentially, one single protein unit or subunit can have, you know, an enzyme section, if you will. So like the right side will have active sites and allosteric sites and regulator and reaction uh, binding. Uh, and then the left side may be non-enzymatic. And so this is kind of how proteins are able to be so diverse and efficient, accomplish so many different tasks is because, you know, they don't have to be only enzymes or only non-enzymes. So the first uh, uh, non-enzymatic protein we will be discussing is receptors and ion channel proteins. Uh, and these are proteins that span the entire bilayer of the cell. Um, they're kind of grouped into one category, but I'm going to talk about them separately. Receptors um, uh, receive or bind signaling molecules. That's what they do. Okay. And I remember it as receptors receive, they kind of have, begin with that REC. Um, so they receive signaling molecules. And again, this is, you know, this isn't, you know, your high school biology class, this is MCAT biology. So we should be using official terminology. So um, remember that signaling molecules are referred to as ligands. So receptors bind ligands, that's what they do. And so receptors, every anytime I say receptor, I'm really saying receptor protein, okay? There, there's, no, there's no difference between that. Receptors are just a type, of, a type of proteins, just as enzymes are, and the other ones we'll discuss. <clears throat> and that's really it. Receptors, that's what they do. They bind signaling molecules. I'll give you an example, though, um, and that is the insulin and insulin receptor. This is a receptor protein and ligand pair, um, and you can uh, actually see if you can guess which one would be the ligand and which one would be the receptor. I know you're just listening to this, but um, you know, you'll be correct if you said that the insulin receptor is the protein because it's the receptor, which I just said, and insulin is the ligand, which is the signaling molecule. And that actually makes sense why ligand, why insulin would be the signaling molecule because um, you know, insulin detected in high quantities triggers some you know, body response, right? 
the presence of insulin causes, you know, um, a, an advanced uh, physiological response. <clears throat> Um, one thing I want to mention to avoid confusion is that insulin is a hormone, okay? Ligand is just a blanket term for any signaling molecule, okay? So don't think that, you know, by definition, you know, ligand includes insulin. Ligand is just a blanket term for signaling molecules. Specifically, insulin is re released by the pancreas in response to hyperglycemia, hyper, you know, increased concentration glycemia overrelating to sugar. So uh, hyperglycemia is a high concentration of sugar in the bloodstream. So insulin is released in response to this. And specifically, insulin, the ligand, the signaling molecule, binds to the cell's insulin receptors to initiate a cascade of signals um, in the cell. And uh, what this does is it essentially allows the cell to absorb excess glucose. Okay. So you might say, wait, but why don't cells just from the beginning absorb any glucose they find, right? You know, why do, why do we have to use this whole complex receptors and insulin and ligand? Why, why don't cells, anytime they detect glucose, why don't they just suck it up, make it easy? And the reason is because we need some glucose in our bloodstream, right? Because now, you know, if you do that, you're, you're teetering over to um, hypoglycemia, which is low concentration of sugar in the bloodstream, right? So we, we want a balance. It's all about balance, right? Homeostasis. It's all about a balance of a sugar concentration. So we want some. The body needs a way of telling the cells when to suck it up, when to suck up the sugar, and when not to. And this is the way they do it, is through these receptor protein and ligand pairs, okay? Uh, and that, that's really kind of the end of this receptors, uh, um, uh, our review on receptors. I wanna make mention of ion channel proteins, and these are really easy. They also span the entire bilayer of the cell. Um, the thing ion channels, what they do is think of them as pores or doors. So they're doors through which ions such as K plus and Na plus, uh, you know, potassium and sodium ions can enter. Um, and so they are still proteins. It's not like a hole in the plasma membrane. It is a protein, but this protein is, uh, enables access and refuses access uh, when the body needs it to do those things. With that, I will shift gears to transport proteins. Um, <clears throat> and these proteins bind small molecules and transport them to other locations in multicellular organisms. I'm telling you, honestly, uh, I don't even have this written here, but um, just reading that sentence, I immediately thought of hemoglobin. What is hemoglobin? It's an oxygen car. That's what we were told in school. And it's, it's a molecule, it's a protein, hemoglobin, that binds oxygen molecules to it. Specifically, it can bind four oxygen molecules. Um, other examples are myoglobin, which, which can bind one oxygen molecule. I'm, I'm getting this all from a previous module. If you've been listening to this, you remember what I was talking about. Um, but that's, that's what transports are, transport proteins are. And hemoglobin is a perfect example of that. It picks up oxygen from the lungs and transports it to tissue, for example, muscles, wherever it's needed. <clears throat> and that's, that's it for the transport proteins. One thing I will mention is that um, they, the, these proteins must have a high affinity for the ligand when the ligand is present in, in elevated concentration. So in other words, uh, at elevated concentrations of the ligand, there's a high affinity for the ligand. Okay, going back to our oxygen car example, if there are a lot of people, you know, waiting for the car, or a lot of oxygen molecules waiting for the car, the, the hemoglobin fits a lot more of the oxygen molecules. However, if there's a low ligand concentration, then there's a low affinity for a ligand. So if there's very low oxygen concentration, hemoglobin only binds a couple. The next protein we're gonna be discussing is motor proteins. And this is a pretty simple one also. Um, you just have to memorize three proteins. Um, uh, they are myosin, kinesin, and dynin. 
dynine, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and these, these are um, crucial for cellular motility due to them, their uh, capability in generating lots of force. Okay, so myosin, kinesin, and dynin are all capable of generating lots of force. And I'm just gonna run down them and quickly give you their function. So myosin is, is responsible for forces of contraction in muscles. Recall that muscles actually only have one, one uh, job and that is to contract. And you know, relaxation is not a separate function, but rather the absence of contraction. So really myosins in being responsible for contraction are you know, one of the most important proteins for muscles, right? Myosin, because it allows for that contraction. Um, uh, Kinesin and dynine both uh, are motor proteins responsible for intracellular transports, that is moving stuff around the cell. Um, dynine also has the function of uh, allowing for or providing cilia with motility. Okay, So myosin is contraction, kinesin is tr in intracellular transport, dynine is intracellular transport and cilia motility. I'll give you one example. Um, the first two are kind of, um, kind of I feel, pretty clear, but dynine... Uh, you know, cilia motility doesn't mean much to you. So I'll give you an example of that. Um, uh, a mutation in the dynein protein may lead to primary ciliary dyskinesia. And this is a problem with the movement of the cilia, right? That's obvious because dynein is what's mutated and that's faulty. And this leads to a decrease in mucus clearance in the lungs. Okay. So as such, there's an increased susceptibility for bronchitis because the mucus isn't being cleared out or filtered out of the lungs properly. Okay, and that leads us to the fourth uh, component of proteins, and that is antibodies uh, of the immune system. And what these proteins do, do uh, is they find foreign antigens, which are just foreign bodies, and target them for destruction. Okay, so antigen comes from any foreign substance, for example, a virus. And here, what's notable, I want to make a connection to the previous proteins that we discussed. Here, the antigen is the antibody's ligand. Okay, do you see how I, how I made that connection? That antigens, the presence of antigens is what triggers response. Just like in, you know, on the previous page, the, tr the presence of insulin triggered a response from the insulin receptor. Here, the presence of the antigen triggers a response from the antibody protein, okay? So, uh, this, so really, antibodies are just another receptor protein and ligand pair, right? Where the antibody is the receptor protein and the antigen is the ligand. One thing that's notable about this specific um, uh, protein receptor and ligand pair is that um, the uh, antibody's affinity for the target antigen or the antigen ligand is extremely high. And I'll you know translate that because I know it sounded complicated. Basically, the um, antibody is, is hypersensitive to the presence of antigens. So every little antigen that comes, the antibodies kick in immediately. So, you know, our interpretation of this is that our bodies are actually very high security systems, if you will. It's not that, you know, you know, 500, I'm just throwing out a number, 500 antigens need to be present for some, for some response to be initiated. It's more like one or two antigens for a response to be initiated.